Hey everyone, welcome to the show. For those joining me again, welcome back. And if you're watching for the first time, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we bring common sense and reason to the big issues of the day and try to go beyond what is considered permissible discourse in the mainstream media space. Today, we're focusing on what appears to many people, including yours truly, to be an increasingly authoritarian streak in the Canada ruled by Justin Trudeau and the Liberals, now propped up by their socialist allies in the NDP. As we talked about last week, the federal government has been way out of step when it comes to vaccine mandates compared to most other advanced nations, and even compared to the provinces, for that matter, who've gotten rid of vaccine and mass mandates. The Trudeau liberals clung on to these vaccine mandates, making it impossible for the millions of unvaccinated Canadians. They were put on leave without pay if they worked for the federal government. They couldn't travel within or outside of Canada because they were unvaccinated. This policy thankfully finally changed June 14th with the vaccine mandate for both domestic and outbound international travel and the vaccine mandate for federal public servants and transportation workers who were suspended, the policy going into effect June 20th. However, Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos says that future vaccine mandates would rely on a new definition of what it means to be fully vaccinated. Presumably, this would include boosters or maybe more boosters down the road, given that boosters also lose their efficacy within a few months. And of course, we saw constitutional authoritarianism on full display with the Trudeau government dubiously invoking the Emergencies Act and quickly scrapping it after it was already in use because it was coming up for a possible defeat in the Senate. We've seen nothing like this in any other advanced country, or even in any developing country for that matter. And that brings us to today's guest. Rav Arora, like me, was born in India, but his family moved to Canada when he was four years old. He's 21 years old, and he's chosen not to be vaccinated. As he recounts in a recent New York Post article that was widely shared, his life and that of millions of other Canadians who've chosen not to be vaccinated became increasingly difficult. Perhaps what upset large sections of the liberal commentariat was not so much Rav's criticism of Canada under Trudeau, but his pointed observation that in some ways the country that his parents left behind appears to be more liberal than Canada. In fact, on vaccine mandates, here's something interesting. The Indian government, the Indian Supreme Court rather, recently ruled in a remarkable judgment that the Constitution and the laws must respect bodily autonomy and ruled against federal vaccine mandates in principle, even though the Indian government has, hasn't implemented any such mandates. Raf's comments created a firestorm amongst the angst-ridden liberal commentariat and engulfed even those of us who shared his piece. I was told by one disgruntled person that if I didn't like it here in Canada, guess what? I should just go back to where I came from. This was just one of many such xenophobic comments, ironically coming from those who profess to be liberal and progressive. So it is my great pleasure to have Rav on the show to talk about his piece, his experiences, and the insane reactions that both his piece and the sharing of it has unleashed. Hey, Rav, welcome to the show. Um, so let me just jump into, um, you know, my first question. Uh, you've obviously heard the news from June 14th. 
that the federal government has lifted some of these onerous vaccine mandates. Uh, and presumably, like me, you welcome the news. Um, what, what's your reaction? And do you think uh, the feds reacted uh, partly due to pressure from people like us who've been telling them to get rid of the vaccine mandates? Um, what, what's, what, what, what's been your general reaction to the news? Yeah, well, well, firstly, I'm very happy about this, given that I have family in India and I have family members here, including parents and other relatives who have been dying to go to India for a very long time, but have been unable to, uh, and, and including myself as well for doing a lot of things in the U.S. I've been unable to to do that because of the, of the vaccine mandates. And so I'm just really happy and very relieved that we're doing this now. Um However, I will say that it's it's been a long time in the coming and it's it's not like some new revelatory science has emerged showing that now we can get rid of the mandates. That, that that's pretty obvious. What's what what I think is happening is that it's it's come to the point where keeping the mandates is politically damaging for Trudeau. So he's picking the expedient option, which is to get rid of them, because so much blowback he's gotten from even you know, like conservatives for sure, and also the libertarian people, people associated with the People's Party of Canada. Uh, and also you know, there's a strong coalition, I would say, of left-leaning, very progressive people who are all about civil liberties and personal autonomy. Um, and, and that part of the uh, political landscape here in Canada has been increasingly alienated by the NDP and the, and the Liberal Party that have been very pro-vaccine mandate, which are not really fundamentally progressive or liberal values, at least not traditionally. So uh, at this point so far, with with all of that's happened with the former hockey player who posted that viral video of his horrible experience at the Toronto airport, yeah. and now Trudeau um, being at this event he was at, um, I think it was LA, or was it somewhere else where he was unmasked? And then at a different event, he was masked, and then he got COVID, and then he re-entered the country, which he probably wasn't supposed to do. And so we, we've seen this again and again of leaders breaking their own rules. Mm-hmm. We see that in the U.S. as well. And so the, the the pressure has been mounting. And I think at this point, they, they've wisely at least done the cost-benefit analysis and have concluded that getting rid of the mandates is the better option to, uh, to, to stay in power and to appease their people. Yeah. No, I think I think I agree with you. I think it's stopped being politically useful to uh, the Trudeau government and the liberals. Um, you know, it was a useful wedge issue during last fall's election. And uh, and I think now it's just uh, I think they're getting a lot of blowback from keeping these mandates in place, especially when you consider the fact that Canada is really an outlier when it comes to uh, enforcing uh, vaccine mandates. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think there's been a lot of political pressure and also pressure within the Liberal caucus, as we learned from a few days ago, that most members in the Liberal caucus actually oppose the vaccine mandates and have been putting pressure on the government to get rid of them. But, uh, yeah, so I completely agree with you. Um, so could we uh, turn to, you know, the piece that you wrote for the New York Post recently, which was widely shared, it went viral, and it also also, you know, I want to talk about the reactions to that piece. 
um, uh, not just to, towards you, but even towards those of us who shared the piece, uh, including myself, um, it, it really seemed to needle a lot of people that, you know, that Canada doesn't look so liberal when compared to not just other Western countries, but even to a developing country like India. I happen to be originally from India as well, um, which, you know, let's face it. I mean, India doesn't necessarily have a stellar record on individual liberties. You just have to tune into the news today to see what's happening in the country. Um, were you trying to be a little provocative with that comparison, or do you genuinely believe that today's India may actually be more tolerant in some respects than today's Canada? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the comparison that I made appeared so incendiary because people read a little too much into it or extrapolated more from that comparison than what I was actually saying. Well, what I actually said was was not as incendiary as people thought it was. But what I said was, is that I, I can't remember the exact wording, but, but I said basically that I'm now considering the possibility mm-hmm. that perhaps my civil liberties uh, in India would have been more um, well-established and protected than here. And I was specifically talking about vaccine mandates um, as well broadly of, of bodily autonomy, free speech and other principles. What, what I wasn't saying was overall India is perhaps has a better record on civil liberties, human rights, free speech, etc. I've I've heard of cases recently of uh, comedians in India and in various parts being censored or being even arrested for certain jokes. There's one comedian whose name is escaping me. He was recently on Andrew Schultz's podcast talking about it. So, so I was not making as broad or sweeping of a claim about India versus Canada as people thought. And I, and I only said, I'm considering the possibility, especially with respect to vaccine mandates, which is, which is true that they don't have vaccine mandates like we do uh, here. And especially the area where I'm at, uh, which is uh, Amritsar, um, they, they don't have vaccine mandates and they don't have um, pot- potentially some of the corruption issues that other places may have. Although that's, I'm not really well versed, uh, well versed in Indian politics as, ma- as many other people are. I don't follow it as closely. But the claim I was making was very specific, and people seem to re- seem to have read way too much into it, and were just outraged all over. People writing for Global News, Toronto Star, they were, I think, having uh, a, a very good time, enjoying um, dunking on me for reasons that were not warranted. I think they were having a meltdown. I think that's how I would describe it. There was a collective meltdown because you, I think you touched a nerve. Um, that's, that's the sense I got because many of the reactions were also directed towards me. Um, and, you know, but that, that brings us to an important, um, uh, point here, which is, you know, the substance of your criticism were related to the vaccine mandates. Um, that was the context in which you were making your, uh, you know, you, your observation observations were made in that context, but you you were also you also referred to the Emergencies Act and you referred to the highly problematic Bill C thirty six, which can censor free speech even before it's uttered. You know, sort of like the precogs in Minority Report. Um, so, you know, do you want to explain and amplify the reasons you think some of these policies are authoritarian and illiberal and, you know, why does it make you so uneasy about where Canada is headed under Justin Trudeau? Yeah, there, there seems to be th- this trend over the past few years and now as well of 
more and more government regulation over things that I don't think need to be regulated. And we've seen this in the past with the um, the online harms bill that was um, rejected. And now they're bringing back another iteration of it, it seems to be. And, and, and there's, all the, of course, the whole media stuff, too, of, of CBC being funded by the liberal, liberal government. And, and, and things like that, I, I understand where it's coming from, but I think r- r- really those, those things, I think, are essentially giving the liberal government a lot of privilege in, ma- in maintaining their power and having some kind of centralized forces that are going to maintain the status quo and keep their power sort of unchecked. I mean, if, I mean, if you read the CBC and the Toronto Star, uh, and, and even the Globe and Mail sometimes, though sometimes they can be more nuanced. And, and I've written for them um, a couple of times before and, and written some more uh, uh, contrarian kind of pieces. But the, the, those institutions, I think, aren't doing a really good job of keeping Trudeau's power in check. And it's no wonder, given that they're receiving bailouts from the government. And now we're seeing this more with the, the online harms bill, which it's... Uh, as 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 it's been advertised, it's a way to protect minority groups from online discrimination, hate, um, marginalization, etc. But those very same groups are speaking out against it and saying that whoa, 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 whoa we shouldn't be doing this. This is um, a huge overreach. I mean, you have the Canadian National Muslim Association, you have um, some LGBTQ uh, activists, and some other groups as well who have. Uh, not particularly supported uh, what Trudeau is trying to uh, implement with the online harms bill for protecting minority groups with this broad overreach in which possibly the the government and law enforcement could have power to regularly monitor um, uh, and keep checks on various people based on civilian complaints. It's, it's very messy and I'm not particularly, um, I fail to understand what exactly, um, like how exactly that's going to work, given the fact that the parameters are so vague and so overreaching, especially when we're talking about discrimination against individual people or against groups. I mean, who, who decides what is what is anti-Muslim or what is anti-gay or what is anti-trans or, or, or however these things are going to pan out? So there's a lot of subjectivity. And so for the government to try to mandate and... Uh, try to implement more strict restrictions on what can be said online, I think is a very dangerous precedent. And I think um, it should be rejected right from the start. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think uh, those of us who value individual liberty and freedoms, you know, have to constantly keep speaking up for them, um, you know, and there's so much of that, 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 you know, that, that's, you know, you know, there's so much to be depressed about, really, uh, given the direction in which things are headed. But uh, uh, I want to ask you, um, I, you know, have you, mu- have you, have you thought about possibly leaving Canada, given, given the illiberal and authoritarian turn this country has taken? Um, I ask this because, you know, this is a question that, um, this is something I hear um, quite regularly from people um, that I've spoken to, especially people I met during the Freedom Convoy protests. And and I always ask them, do you think Canada has become so, is so far down the road uh, to authoritarianism that, you know, the best option is to exit? Um, my own thinking is that, you know, Canada is worth fighting for. 
um, and that it's important to stay and fight the good fight. Um, but uh, do you think Canada's worth fighting for? Um, and do you think the Trudeau government softening its stance on vaccine mandates is a promising sign? Or do you think it's just a tactical maneuver, um, which doesn't necessarily signal a fundamental change in um, in, 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 in direction? Yeah, well, I, I'm very optimistic on these things. And I do want to leave Canada for for other reasons. Um, I, I do want to move to a bigger city, possibly uh, in Los Angeles or New York. That's always been a dream of mine to move to uh, a big city and potentially pursue dreams in film and television, making documentaries, etc. Um, currently, I live in a, uh, a small rural city a couple hours a couple hours away from Vancouver at the moment. So I, I'd love to move. But in, in terms of the, the broader national question, I, I, I don't think I see a reason now to move because of that, especially because I don't think Trudeau is going to stay in power for much longer. Uh, whenever the next election will be, I think the Conservatives have gotten an incredible amount of support, a uh, record-breaking number of uh, Conservative Party memberships. And Pierre Polivier is getting a lot of support. Um, a lot of people who um, were, were even more libertarian-leaning or more classically liberal um, seem to be now supporting either People's Party of Canada, which is getting a bit of momentum, or the Conservative Party. And, and given like gas prices, given the online censorship, um, given the supply management issue as well, I think more and more Canadians are going to be uh, moving away from Trudeau and looking at other options. And so I, I don't think that Trudeau will win the next election. So I think uh, leaving at this point would be premature and fairly pessimistic. Okay, so Canada is worth fighting for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I hope you'll stay. I know Los Angeles. Um, I love Los Angeles. And of course, it's a very exciting place to be in and probably lots more opportunities there. But, you know, I hope you'll stay in Canada because, you know, Canada certainly needs people like you committed to the ideals of liberty and freedom. And the more people like you we lose, the harder it'll be to make the case. So on that note, Rav, I'm going to have to leave it there. But it was great to have you on the show and I wish you all the best and uh, and hopefully you're, you have some great plans to celebrate the good news that the vaccine mandates have been lifted and that hopefully you'll be able to visit your relatives in India. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, from, uh, from one Indian-Canadian dissident to the next. <laughs> it's good talking to you. Yeah, great chatting with you, Rav. Take care. All right, thanks. Thanks. Thanks.